You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover Magic, the Gathering Finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. All right, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. And we have a special guest, friend of the show, Shy Style Gaming. So this week, we are covering the three of us, our Streets of New Capenna set review. Now that it's out and we've all seen the price decline that we're going to get on Friday. So let's get started. So uh, we discussed ahead of time a couple cards that we're going to walk through today. And the first one that came to mind is uh, Luxior, Giada's Gift. This is the equipment in the set that basically pushed Devoted Druid right before its spoiler in the Commander decks. And this is a brand new equipment that essentially puts a plus one, plus one counter on uh, your creatures. So with Devoted Druid, you're able to tap it and stack it infinitely, just grow taller. Or you could attach it to something like Sahili Rai and make infinite Sahili Rise. And if you have a sack outlet or something like Disciple of the Vault, when, because Sahili Rai becomes an artifact, you get to do uh, infinite damage. So our thoughts on Luxior's gift to start. Anybody think this is gonna have long-term legs at a $20 price tag? No, it's yeah. it, it's gonna be popular, but I mean this card sitting. I'm I've got TCG player pulled up right now. It's already down to eighteen and some change on direct. I, I just don't see this. There's too many good cards. Try the triomes are gonna eat up some value. I can't see this holding this price tag. I think it's fine that it's a mythic, you know, to hold price for a little bit. But it's just like the removal we just got from Neon Dynasty that was an infinite combo with Devoted Druid. Yep. It just doesn't occupy enough of a meta that I think that that will last long term. Now, is there a chance they print another busted creature down the line that's combos with? Yeah, I trust Wizards of the Coast to make poor design decisions. It happens. But as of right now, I think 20 bucks is a real long term goal for this card. I, yeah, I agree. Uh, the first note I have on this is that I don't think this ever sees play in, in EDH because it immediately combos with Devoted Druid. Who cares yeah. that you can keep putting plus one, plus one counters on Devoted Druid to, to go infinite? It's just not there. It's too narrow in yeah. an application. My initial thought was like, oh, this might push Jaleva decks a little bit. And sure. then we got the Jaleva deck. Yeah. I literally printed <laughs> the Jaleva deck. And the only other thought I had was that if this price is going to be floated seriously, it's probably valued in Stoneforge Mystic formats but I don't even know what it's going to do there. Like, there was talk about Modern with Eldarmory's Call, kind of like slotting Stoneforge Mystic into the tutor package of the Helia combo decks, but you no longer use Heliod and you only have, like, one Ballista. Yeah. And that just doesn't seem like you're marrying two different themes well enough together. Yeah. $20 seems outrageous. I honestly think that this tanks to 5 to 8 because it has super narrow application currently but as yeah. a thirsty mentioned you know being a mythic does float the price a little bit within this set a little like yeah you guys think it'll tank that low or am i crazy at five to eight no i, I think don't think that's crazy no i think it's realistic that it could go that low um it is just narrow like you said there's just not you know you're either thinking like super friends decks want this maybe yep. and that's even not like a shoe in um, you might want it in a couple of examples like the, the devoted combo, like you said, or the Sahili Riot combo. But other than that, it's just not it, it, for being a colorless artifact. It's just not that good unless something shows up randomly and like Pioneer, where it uses this card somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, after that, another hyped card is Bootlegger Stash. So we take a uh, a look at Bootlegger Stash, five and a green artifact. Very simple. Lands you control have tap, create a treasure token, and this leans into the theme of New Capenna, which is just treasure creation. Yeah. 
and the only card I could think to compare this to is the Great Henge. And I don't even think it's close to that. Like this is market right now for 28. I think Great Henge was probably similar, might around 20, right around 25 at release. Yeah. But I just don't think this has anywhere near the applicability of that. And it's not nearly as broken as Paradox Engine. So I agree it's not as broken as Paradox Engine. I think we actually do disagree on the financial value of it because this to me is a doubling season card more than yep. it is anything else. So I think that short term, you're actually probably right. It's like $20, $15, $20. Mm -hmm. I do think we do hit that $50 price though, like we did with Great Henge. And it. I don't think it'll be as fast as Great Henge. It won't be in like four to six months. But I think within the next year, I could very realistically see this hitting $50. So I think to get to 50 I, I disagree with that just a little bit. I, I was pegging this card as being one of the most overpriced of any, which was saying something because SNC is... I, the pre-order prices in SNC are surprisingly high, in my opinion. I think they're yeah. like more egregious than usual. Mm -hmm. This one was at 38 just a couple days ago. Uh, it's another. It's already down to 27, some change uh, at the time of this recording. And I think it's not going below 20 realistically. I think that's just not yeah. a scenario that plays out. But I also think 50 is going to be tough. And the main reason for that is I don't really see this having any application outside of edh henge had that henge has seen play everywhere else particularly That's standard fair. um you know before covid shut down henge was in certain adventure decks and other things like that so that's my only i guess thinking on this that said if this thing doesn't get reprinted two years out or something yeah 50 maybe not even two years you said a year yeah. somewhere in that range right like it, it seriously could be a 40 50 card at least on tcg direct by then yeah yeah i when I when I was writing notes for this card, all I could come up with was like synergies and ways to use this. Goldspan Dragon, Anointed Procession, Doubling Season, you know, Urza, Revel and Riches, Time Seed, Mechanized Production. And then I was like, Well what does what's the negative of this card? Oh, it requires you to bank your mana. Well, how do you break that? Wilderness Reclamation, Seaboard and Use Zakama. And like you start to look into it like, okay, there's definitely some combo as aspects here, which kind of makes it to me feel like Paradox Engine, which is why I mentioned that up yeah, top. Yeah. It's a good it's a good comparison. I've heard yeah. that a few times now, and I think it's actually it'll be interesting to see how people put this card to use. Yeah. Uh, because it's like it, the thing about this card to me, just on like a power level uh, evaluation, is it's it's awkward, right? It's like not good enough for CEDH, most likely. Like I just don't think that's realistic. It's probably too good for like kitchen table casual magic because you ramp into this thing and all of a sudden you can like you could basically piece combos together on your own. That's what happened with Paradox Engine. Yep. People who never comboed also yeah. like, oh Paradox Engine, wow, I can do like this cool thing. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it'll be interesting. There there is a scenario here that plays out where this card ends up being in an awkward like. It's too good for too good for casual tables. It's not good enough for CDH, and it ends up like Niv Mizzet Perun or something like that, where it's like you, you can't you just can't play it frequently enough for it yeah. to, be, to be enjoyable. Yeah. So the other question I had was placement in five color decks. You have Chromatic Lantern and the World Tree is basically your S and A tier options, irrespectively, and then this slots in as a tier a B tier option. I guess that's something else that I thought of when I was, was looking at this card and just it doesn't allow a five color deck to function but it definitely allows you to be a little more robust with your mana base because it applies yeah. to all your lands even something like Maze of Ith, which doesn't yeah. naturally tap for mana you can bank a treasure off of your your Maze of Ith. my valuation on price though is just way different than than both of you I thought this is tanked to like 15 or somewhere in there in release weekend but I don't know what it looks like long term because okay. it has so many so many unique applications, but it also seems kind of fragile. Whereas with a Paradox Engine, you were essentially comboing it with two artifacts that just recurred, or three artifacts that could recur any artifact from your graveyard. So you were you had two to three pieces of redundancy. You know, the Great Henge is just a yeah. value proposition. So if you have to get it back with an EWIT or a regrowth or something like that, the value is to be had there. If somebody pops your bootlegger stash. And then you have to go fish for it out of your graveyard. That's anywhere from like 
eight to 11 mana to do that. And that's fair. I don't know, like, so to me, the initial valuation that I had was a lot lower. Not that's not saying that this doesn't have legs long term. It's hard for me to kind of piece that one out um, because so many people are focused on Revel and Riches and Time Sieve combo that I can imagine it hovering at 20. I could imagine it just continue creeping over time yeah. up towards 15. I think for me, this is one of the hardest cards to evaluate in the set because it screams EDH but it screams it in so many different ways. Yeah. The one one other thing to think about uh, when you're evaluating bootlegger stash is what commanders want it, because mm -hmm. actually those there's one specifically that comes to my mind immediately. It's a recent print within the last year, uh, which is Belladros, uh, Witherbloom, because you can untap yep. your lands. You pay, what is it, 10 life, untap your lands. Yep. Um, so that's just an example. This is an example, I think, of a, a, a rare case where a card printed actually might spark new interest in a commander that otherwise people may have just kind of blown over. Um, so I would keep an eye on Belladros in particular. Okay. I think the extended arts are going to start moving. They already have, spoiler, I've already looked at the data and stuff. They're already starting to move just a little bit. Yeah. Um, I haven't looked at the pack non-foils as closely, but I just mentioned it because it, there are rare cases where cards get printed that bring commanders back into the limelight. This might be one of those scenarios. Um, the other commander, by the way, that pops into my head is ironically another dragon. It's Corval. This card just loves yeah. Corval and vice versa. Yeah, so I don't think that one's got anywhere to go necessarily, mm -hmm. but just mentioning that those are two cards that, um, you know, if you're a dragon lover, you're a, a, a ramp treasure lover. Like those yeah. two cards synergize great with this. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that uh, Bootlegger Stash and Revel of Riches basically pair you into Golgari, open you up to Belladris Witherbloom and Corvald. Uh, that's right the gitrog monster some uh what's the the boar not boris the jund planeswalker that can be your commander the cat uh, wind race yeah wind race, Lord wind yeah. race yeah. which oftentimes has which has a land lands matter theme yeah there's definitely some jund feels ones. like the sweet spot the sweet spot for bootleggers because it opens yeah. the door to things like revel like you said revel and riches you get yeah. gold span out of that you get dockside there's just, there's yeah. a lot there you get zorn yeah. too is another one so like there's a lot there if you're in jund here so maybe corvold is worth a look i just i threw it out there as a random that was that's not any i had it was off the yeah. off the cuff but now that i'm thinking about it that almost feels like the right card for this or right yeah. commander for this card the best commander in fact yeah the, it, the deeper you go into the bootlegger stash, the more interesting it becomes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so older whiskey at the back. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's it. Bottom of the barrel. Pa yeah. uh, past that, another call-out uh, that I think is just as interesting to talk about is Giada, Font of Hope, the effectively new angel commander, I believe. Yeah. Uh, one in a yeah. white for a 2-2 I... legendary creature, angel, flying vigilance, and basically... All the words. Yeah. One of the, when another angel you control enters the battlefield sorry each other angel you control enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it and you can tap to add a white but you can only spend that to cast angel spells so effectively if you cast this on turn two on turn three you can both attack and cast a four drop which is kind of neat yeah um this pretty nuts yeah this is difficult for me to to work over because we've talked about the angel theme a number of times on the cast in regards to picks usually and that is a casual favorite tribe but apparently it can also be really aggressive and i just have like a bias or a blind spot to that i just forever think the mono white angels deck is just kind of like plotting and boring yeah but apparently that's not the case so i'm curious to see what you do have to think about this um I, I think this is, on the topic of evaluation, uh, this is going to be the de facto mono-white commander for Angel Tribal. Like, oh, just hands down, it's the best that's ever been yeah. printed for the command zone mm -hmm. at this point. So because of that, there's... I have It's a funny thing. It's kind of like a paradox here. I have an opinion on the price, which right now it's around $4. It was yeah. at 6 I, I said that was too high at 6 It's still too high at 4 for everybody that's listening, and I'll get into that later. Okay. But um, 
that's my take. But I do think on the flip side of that, this can be an extremely popular commander. Now, the price itself, I want to talk about that for a second. The price is very contingent on one thing, and that's if this thing actually somehow sees play in Pioneer, uh, which doubt it, but you never know. Um, otherwise, this is not going to hold four dollars. It just it's a, it simply can as as a commander only type card. Uh, in terms of popularity, though, just flipping the script here, it's going to be popular. It's going to be very popular. Mm-hmm. I think it'll end up in the top three of the set in terms of most popular commanders. Um, you got Jetmare to con- contend with, and then the two and the three spot are kind of wide open. So uh, if you're specking on angels, if you if you believe in that, there's a lot of good mono-white angel specs out there. Um, and, and I guess I would just encourage you to kind of go do a once over on that um one of the cards i was kind of looking at right when this was spoiled was seraph sanctuary which is a common uh that says when it enters battlefield you gain a life and yep. then if every time an angel enters you gain a life as well and it taps for a colorless foil it's only been printed twice foils of that are very intriguing um they, the, the the boat might be might have sailed a little bit because they're already around seven seven dollars now but um there, there was a little bit of movement during spoiler season on them but that being said i mean this is a angels are kind of like dragons and and like you know mirror folk and stuff they're kind of a beloved tribe druids too right or uh, sorry elves too like a beloved tribe so foils i think might be the way to go on a lot of these specs actually yeah i don't normally recommend that either (laughs) Uh, we've had to pull back but mainly because right now it's hard to get foils to stay flat so it's difficult for us to push a spec when somebody that picks it up on tcg player could push back on it as being damaged despite being pack fresh Um, amen but the valuation you put forward for price is something i entirely agree with when i started writing these notes i think it was floating uh at six or more Mm -hmm. and i call this as a five dollar card but there's a number of caveats here first is that this is also a standard set rare in the first set after the op announcement so there's going to be infinite and it should be three dollars or less but here's the caveat angels yeah so it just gets a bump <laughs> for, a good caveat. for being the new general the rest of the valuation i had surrounding the card came down to whether or not this beats out lyra in a game and i guess this is kind of what i i to re- refer back to what i was mentioning before in the early game this thing is amazing yeah. before the board wipe it is great but if you don't have avison or a way to recover after the board wipe then i think it becomes a very poor general thereafter and Lyra serves you better because another angel or two Lyra might affect better. So yeah. there's a build aspect to this deck that I don't quite understand yet. And from what I could gather based on the data presented on Rec, I am uncertain if this would outseat Addison or Lyra, but still being a top three general for the deck overall makes this a very good look as as a spec because it is very approachable from a price standpoint compared to either of those two. Yeah, I think price-wise, yes, $5 is too much for this card right now because, you know, I don't think Angels is really going to be that insane in Standard. Not that Standard prices have really been driven by Paper Magic for a while anyways. It looks like we're going Pioneer. Mm -hmm. So doesn't seem like it's going to be there. I would not be surprised, I will say, if we wake up one day and we look down and we haven't thought about this card in months and all of a sudden it's 10 or $15. Uh, just because, caveat, angels. But I think that right now it's way too hyped. People are saying this card is just the de facto angel general. Sure, absolutely, you're right, it is. But it hasn't even hit the market yet, so we haven't even come close to the floor when it's already down to three, four dollars. There's just no way to me that that stays. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's how it seems to me. I just think there's, and I don't know if this is even realistic or not, but the the idea that because it is angels, there's just going to be a lot of casual tier two tier three type decks that are out there that are just built around this thing and so 
you know what you gotta what I, I think what anyone that's gotta that's listening to this has to remember is casual magic is out there and there's a lot of people who still play casual 60 card magic too or 75 card magic yeah. for that matter um so we could see a scenario where people are honoring four ofs of um giada and building casual 60 card mm-hmm. angels for yeah. example and showing up at fnm with that um and, and by the way just as an aside one of the reasons i'm kind of like pushing that in in my head is because a card not too long ago that was printed called the book of exalted teeds works very well with this um yeah, yeah. all of a sudden those three threes turn into four fours and you're on a five turn clock right so it's um it's actually increases with every angel that you get so bottom line is um it is really hard to predict this one but i think the the theme that we all identified is underscore angels because yeah. don't don't sleep on that i guess right exactly we we like to harp on casuals drive the market and that is where some of the easiest specking comes from and yeah. again this is another card that screams edh but is getting closer to the correct price than some of the other options we are presented with yeah. so this could be faster action than some of the other specs when we see you know in two days everybody gets their yeah. stock right we could probably pick this up and start churning faster than luxio or bootleggers for sure uh, that's right so after that you know we, we wanted to talk about the triumphs because they're big they finish out the the block the set yeah yeah that's what, at this point in time it's all we have all 10 so it finishes out the set so we have uh Jund, Grixis, Nea, Bant, and uh, Esper floating around. And we thought to kind of tier them and discuss. And I don't know if we're that different on the first one. I think we might all agree that it's the Jund Triumph right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as a lifelong Jund player, I agree. I'm... I'm not going to, I would say Jund for me is in the top three. Mm-hmm. It's not my number one, oh, okay. but I'll put it, I'll, I will say this because of Ob Nixilis, um, the, the Ob that we just got out of this deck, I think Jund is going to be the sleeper here. So um, maybe a better way of phrasing all that to me, Jund is actually the best value because I think people were all thinking, or you guys, it sounds like a particular Jund number one. I'm close on, I'm number two, number three with okay. it. Um, I don't think everybody's going to think that it's number one, and I think you're going to be able to get some kind of sneaky good prices on it before yeah. people realize, hey, I actually need like two, three, four copies of this thing yeah. for my junk builds that are going to materialize in Pioneer. So, I I actually went through and I split this out into uh, a commander ranking and a constructed ranking. But yeah. In commander, I have this as number one, but for constructed, yeah. I have it uh, tied at the one Interesting. spot. Interesting. Um, I think from a commander Esper? with Bant. Okay, yeah, that's the other one um, I'd say. So I have Esper number one, which is Rafine's Tower, uh, okay. and here's the reason for that. I'm I'm pretty bullish on the OP announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you guys just covered that in your most recent episode, and um, or maybe it was two episodes ago now. But every episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, I think you guys did a couple episodes if I remember right. But anyway, um, no, I'm really bullish on Esper number one john is like two slash three tied with band I, I those are like coin flip for me yeah. Yeah. uh the thing that is the deciding factor for me on both esper and really probably the tiebreaker on john is that they both access black mm-hmm. in pioneer which gives you access to Thoughtseize. so uh they unfortunately don't give you turn one access but you know it's it's something i think that people need to consider because decks that weren't splashing thoughtsies might be able to now okay. just as a th- i'm just yeah. throwing that out there as an idea and then i mentioned ob nixilis ob is going to be a very powerful card in a lot of formats i think yeah. i think it's yeah. really good in pioneer and talking with um a few a few folks and um and so once again you know you want access to that black and and that's where that jun one specifically looks really appealing okay um I had Esper yeah, I, at number two for oh. constructed, for, sorry for commander, but constructed actually tied with Grixis for the for last place. But that's because I don't oh, know wow. I don't know Pioneer that well yet. Fair. Okay. Um, so I was fair. I was looking at that from a standard and a modern standpoint. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I I think Esper to me it's Esper and Jund as the one B one A basically. Okay. So we're, yeah, we feel the same then. There's. Um, yeah, and I, I think I actually 
overall, because I didn't separate by constructed into EDH, I actually think the like 2A, 2B for me is Bant and Grixis. And I put Bant a little bit ahead, and obviously, you know, very far bottom is Naya, because that's whatever. Uh, but I think that, you know, any of the ones that give you black, especially when you're considering EDH, are going to be high on the list. Yeah. Right. Fleabag, let's go. Yeah. That, that, that all jives with me. The, yeah. what you just mentioned for your rankings for Commander is exactly how I have it. Jumped yeah. above Esper and Bant, then Grixis, and then somewhere behind everything else in the rear view is Naya. Yeah. And that's, I, I just, I will say, I think these are incredibly good values. Look at what happened with the Triomes out of Ikoria. And we, we touched on this before we went live, you know, like a month later after they get to the masses, there was just a straight downward trajectory. Yep. I think all of these are great long-term. But we have to rank them because that's what we do. So, <laughs> Yep. Yeah, but, they're all going to be great pickups for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I basically, as far as price is concerned, tied these to the Ikoria Triomes. Yeah. I we see them current we've seen them grouped the IKO triumphs from release all the way through now and they're just kind of holding steady at about 10 to 15 dollars depending on which one because i think it's Savai is the Sultai one and there's still the price memory from standard and pioneer from that deck and to me i think it feels right for these to all sit around the the same spot 10 to 15 maybe 9 to 15 depending on demand for like the, the low-hanging fruit, be it Nea or uh, Grixis or what have you. Yeah, I I think the one thing to watch and be mindful of is Ikoria was the first set that had collector boosters. So that was kind of an interesting thing for that, but it did have some production issues. So, I mean, I'm still super bullish, but, you know, in the interest of transparency, like you said, there's going to be a ton of this product. It just followed the OP announcement. Maybe we don't see these get to the, you know, fifteen, twenty dollar range. They may be like the ten to fifteen. Mm-hmm. I still it's similar to fetch lands. You can never lose getting fetch lands. I don't think you can ever lose getting triomes. Yep. They're I, gonna be liquid 100%. forever. Yep, I think that's that's exactly right. The only one one other okay. oh, no, no, go ahead. No, all you, all you. I was gonna just offer one other way to kind of look at this and or angle to look at this from is thinking about top commanders mm-hmm. and which ones would actually want this. So um, one of the reasons I rank Esper a little, just slightly ahead of both uh, Jund and Bant is because some of the top commanders actually want Esper more. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of Traxa just in a, as an example, although Traxa wants Bant as well. So, yeah. um, but you know, if you go kind of down the list just really quickly, uh, I'm looking at the top commanders based on EDH rec and, you know, you got a Trax up there. You've got Edgar Markov, which is the Triome out of Ikoria, so ignore that. Then you've got you've got Corvold, which is John. You've got Ur Dragon, probably irrelevant. I don't think Triomes can be super relevant for dragons. Maybe one or two of them. John probably is relevant. Yeah. Dragons because of red and green Can't being confirm. so important. Yep, yeah. yep. And then Omnath is 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 uh, Bant. Probably Everything but red. Yeah. 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 So, um, so anyway, those are the top eight, and you figure. It, it, it doesn't help a lot because it spreads it out a little bit. Bant is actually the most common out of those, um, and Jund is is in there. So you, I could be wrong. No. Honestly, Jund, yeah. I, I'm like almost talking myself that, into Jund being for one here myself. That valuation <laughs> you just did is what I did, and I, I went a little deeper, and that's how I got to the rankings that that I came to. The reason I gave Jund the edge, which because there's is because there's a lot more decks that just want to do like weird shenanigans with lands, yeah. and Jund is fine playing a longer game. Or recurring it to hand to to cycle yeah. back through or stuff like that. It just has a little more yeah. utility with the with the land base, but it's not by a huge margin that I have it over both Esper and Bant. But that's basically yeah. what I came to. And the the Grixis decks that you see on that list are like Cedrus and Obeka, basically very similar style decks where you just look to do something silly and end the turn. And also from experience, I don't think I care that much about the Triumph. It might replace like the or like the Rakdos Carnarium maybe yeah um yeah yeah, tbd but i don't think it's a huge draw for that and then naya is naya you just don't you just don't need it in in uh those colors because the ramp usually gets you mana fixing to begin with right like you don't want you don't want your lands coming in tapped 
The only con- you want to use them to cast ramp yeah. immediately. Yeah. The only concern yeah. I had with these, and it uh, and it basically became a concern after thinking about this for a couple of days, is that if these are reprinted in the same style as the temples, then it becomes difficult to want to hold them long term. But if they're printed like the check lands, the buddy lands, then yeah. I think you're perfectly fine. And yeah. without seeing them in the commander decks for either Ikoria or Nukapenna, I think we're pretty safe with these at yeah. any point. Yeah, and Thirst brought this up when we were kind of prepping, but they're all sort of like Capenna uh, specific, it feels yes. like. Like yeah. Xander's Throne is the name of, or sorry, Xander's Lounge is the name of one. Like, has Xander yeah. got a franchise going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they're going to be tougher to reprint as a result of that they probably won't show up in commander decks in the future because they typically don't put those type of lands in there uh so you've had opportunities to get the triumphs and they've just seemingly deliberately avoided it yes so this round i think they put like cascade bluffs in and and you know a couple of those five the filter lands i think and it was the first time that i remember them putting like a seven eight ten dollar land in a commander deck in forever Mm -hmm. yeah it's been a long time yep Yep. absolutely anything else you want to touch on regards to the trials before we start looking at some overrated underrated stuff let's get to the meat and potatoes okay so we'll start off with i think probably the biggest one this list for overrated halo fountain so yeah, I, I pegged this one as overrated right away um, because I, as soon as it was spoiled, the first thing I did, like probably every other fun brewing finance person out there, is trying to figure out how do you break the card. And turns out they did a really good job making this tough to break. <laughs> it's not yeah. a, it's not a very easily broken card. Um, so anyway, that's I mean that's the simple simple version of that. It does, I believe, go infinite with. Uh, well, not even really infinite. You can do a bunch of stupid shenanigans with Earthcraft, but that—I mean—that's about it. Like, there's just not much yeah. there. Yep. Uh, this card, I think, suffers from Gristlebrand as a commander syndrome in that you see it coming. Yeah. And I, I, because of that, it just makes the card ridiculous. When I read through this, the main note I have is this has the text "You win the game" on it, so it's just going to be hyped to hell and back yeah because people want to win the game easily and like we kind of touched on before shy when you and i talking about it too was that people seem to think that this is staff of domination 2.0 yeah because it's an artifact that has a bunch of stuff you do for mana and it's just not like Yes, it is technically an artifact that you need to have mana to do a bunch of stuff, but that stuff requires a bunch of other cards. Whereas staff basically required either Pemmonsora or Metalworker or something, like one other card, and that was it. You need a bunch of other stuff to make Halo Fountain work, and that's why I think it's doomed to, like, the brew tables. You know, it's it's hard to break. Yeah, It just is. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, this is nine dollars right now, according to Scryfall. So, still too much. Uh, agreed. I, I think this is going to be one of those like slow droppers that just keeps kind of going down over time as supply keeps coming out because it's just not going to be able to absorb. Yeah. People, to your point, they're going to start trying to brew it and then be like, "Dang, this is really tough." Like, yeah. can't figure out how to use this thing effectively. Yep. Um, I, I made it kind of a this is this might be an aggressive hot take because it's probably unrealistic just just because it says win the game on it. Mm-hmm. But I actually think this is like a like a not not exactly bulk mythic, but like a two dollar mythic. Like this is yeah, a yeah, yeah. It's just not that good. And um anyway, I'll leave it at that. We'll see if it goes that low. I'd, I yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it did though. No, I agree. No, I, mean, I think it puts some weird pressure on stuff. <laughs> White Sun Zenith, Finale of Glory, March of the Multitudes, because that's just the easiest way to trigger the last clause. Just make a bunch of tokens really quick, and I think that's probably the lasting impact this card might have, but otherwise, yeah, hard to agree. We're as close to bulk as we can get without truly being bulk. Being bulk. Yeah. Yeah. So next on the list, we have Rocco, Cabaret Caterer, and uh, there's an article that just came out about this today. Uh, It's Page the Untouchable. 
maybe. Uh, wrote it. Talking about how this is the greatest commander for food chain ever. It's just food chain 2.0. <laughs> no, it's not. Stop it. Right. Stop it. So we'll, we'll bring this up. I honestly, I saw the meme a couple of weeks ago and the professor said, when you get this joke, you're old. And I responded back with, ow, my bones. But yeah, it, it literally just puts one creature into play per turn. I don't really see the hype around this card overall. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's not It's prosh. fine if you're... Yeah, like, it... Prosh goes infinite on its own with Food Chain. You need something else for Rocco to work. You know, it, it just doesn't work that way. You're not getting tokens. You're not getting this infinite ramp like you are yeah. with Prosh. And... Hey, you know what? Maybe there is a CEDH list there somewhere for someone that wants to do something new and exciting, but I just don't think you'll see it at, like, the high-tier CEDH tables. It is an uncommon, which, courtesy of collector boosters, may actually inflate its price. I, it's hard to keep track of what's even in those anymore. Yeah. I just, like, I don't know. It People are saying they think this is a 5 to 10 to $20 uncommon in foil at some point and I just I don't know that I buy that I, I don't see that at all um, the card this reminded me of immediately when it was spoiled was Prime Speaker Vanifar from Ravnica yep. Allegiance where yep. I remember when that card was spoiled and every, it felt like every single person in the entire community was like oh my gosh it's pot on a stick and it was like the greatest thing of all time and I, you know, I, I was writing for Quiet Speculation at the time, and I wrote an article that was basically like scathing, saying that Taste is actually the best commander in the set. And I remember writing that and being people yeah. being like, "You're nuts." I was right. Yep. <laughs> uh, Rocco is going to be very similar to that. It's going to go down the same path where, uh, right now, people are just trying to find that perfect line to break it. What are the exact combination of cards that I need to tutor up and make it work? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like an Academy Rector into Ugin, yeah. for example. Oh, awesome. Like you did something that we've seen a million times before in ETH. Um, yeah. But and I think, I think the, with more steps. Right, right. Exactly. With more steps. Exactly. Because um, you still have to kill off that, that Academy Rector. Yeah. Um, but no, I was just I'm just making that comparison because I think it's just kind of a it's a buzzy type card. And, and I think that's going to wear off pretty quickly. I don't even have this one, just by the way. I don't even have this one in my top five for yeah. most popular commanders long term so yeah. I always rank I try to rank those uh, for my own evaluation purposes um, I don't even have this in my top 5 so okay yeah. no I, I think it's I think the card's an interesting look overall it just seems like a better in the it 99 is. kind of thing but yeah yep. Like, yep I agree I think one of the, the best things I think you can do with this is uh, clamp it yeah it's only got one toughness yep so it, what a great card clamp is I know right <laughs> Let's, I, let's ironically, a, I just sold a couple of those for like 15 bucks a pop on, on direct, and I, was, I couldn't right. believe it. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. People still buying that card. They haven't put it in a commander set in forever, for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah. It's probably too expensive now. It's going to have to be a master set. <sighs> or a list card. Ooh. Oh, or the... the yeah, Tops the, on the list in Capenna. It's, actually, no. They changed the list. It's only rares and mythics now. So. Yeah, the list is pretty baller actually yeah. for Capenna. It's like sixty-three cards yeah. now, and it's all rares yeah. and mythics. It's really, it's it's actually a value slot now in set boosters. Yeah, it's a, a really tight update. I was actually really Im- impressed with it when when they did yeah. it. Um, f- for me, the like, I'm kind of looking at two cards as overhyped, but I don't think anybody cares about Agnes anymore. I think that no. wore off really quickly. Um, that's just the the Jun general that makes tap treasures. I think people might still be a little too high on Lord Sander, though. I think that's yeah. right. I, I, you know, it's really funny. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because this is another whatever hot take you want to call it. But I actually think Lord Sander is the sixth best commander in Capenna, and I know that that's it's maybe not a super hot mm-hmm. take, but like. I actually don't think it's a top five commander in this set, and I think it's. I think people are just going to realize how unfun it is to play against, just yeah. like Turgrid. Uh, that's what it reminded me of was Turgrid from was that Caldheim? Yep. Caldheim, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just very similar. It's like people are going to hate playing against you. You're going to play it once, and people are going to be like, "No, nope, we're going to hate you off the table," and then it's not going to be yeah. fun for you to play. You're going to walk away, or you're going to pull out a new deck. Yeah. So the reason I think people are overhyped on this card is because everything says or targets one player 
Yeah. Like, so it's all it's, yep. it's heads up focused. When I read this card, I was like, this is kind of kind of crap as the general. But if you're gonna sneak it in, or if you're gonna Cedrus it in, and yeah. then end the turn, then I think it's perfectly fine in the ninety nine. Oh yeah, agreed. I, and, Very powerful ninety nine card. And I think if if that's the level of hype this card receives in the long term, I think it, it's fine otherwise. To to the end that you're talking about, yeah, I think Punisher generals like this all suffer from the same thing that and Punisher cards in general. Like the Beamtown Bullies is pushing a lot of weird stuff right now, but the moment yeah. people actually sit down, play that deck once, and then like you said, change the deck or get booted, like that's it. The the hype. It's it's just Nekusar all over. I dies. when when I saw this, there were two things I thought. One, it's a trap, and two, I can't wait to play this in Legacy Sneak and Show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Sneak and Show is gonna be great with this card. I, I was more excited for the second half than I was for the first. Like I really don't yeah. care about this card in EDH, but yeah. man, I can't wait to play it in Legacy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be excellent with any type of sneak and show ability. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, right. I've actually Perforos, uh Bronze Blooded has been selling pretty well for me. I had a lot of co- that was like a missed spec yeah. from way back in mm-hmm. whatever Theros or the uh, Theros Beyond Deck Death, and yeah, all of a sudden those are selling again. I, I think it's because of Lord Xander, realistically. Yeah, yeah. It feels like that card is on and off in in regards to whether it's speckable at any given time, and you just got to find the moment where it starts to plateau because you're only weeks yeah. away from a new set <laughs> that pushes right. this thing. So skipping down to underrated, the the first one that I have on the list that we talked about earlier is Rumor Gatherer. Yeah. So one double white for a 2-1 with Alliance, which is why we're looking at this card. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield and do your control, you scry one. And then if it's... Yeah, there's a lot of aggro players out there in Commander that this card pushes over the over the top. I mean, obviously, you know, there's you, you need three or four of these type of things, but we're getting better now. We're we're starting to see white get a little bit more attention on the draw side of the house. Yeah. Um, this card synergizes excellent um, with token decks. It doesn't specify non-token, yeah. which is amazing. So. Yeah. Um, this can be a really popular card. Bottom line, it's uh, because of the two white pips. It does make it, you know, a little bit more difficult to cast. But I mean, in any uh, Celestia deck that's the Celestia tokens, for example, wants this. Um, any sort of aggro decks, you know, sold- soldiers is not or like humans and soldiers aren't super popular. But those are both tribes that see some play. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I think this is just a card that is. You can get it for twenty cents right now at pre-order, and it's not going to stay that low. You'll be able to see this thing above a dollar in no time. So, yeah, I I think this goes alongside the Convoke White card. Uh, what is the name of it? Benny Brax, a zoologist, to kind yeah. of prop White up in EDH in general. Uh, I didn't have this on the list of cards that I liked when I was going through this set, um, despite the fact that I did read through all the uncommons. I th- I thought it felt a little over costed at the end of the day but i think taking into consideration what you're talking about which is just you start looking at what we're getting a little more holistically instead of as individual pieces just look at the sum of the parts then cards like this get a lot better and you see where white is going within the format and you can see that things are getting a little more aggressively slanted people are going to be more interested in white and that pushes cards like this it pushes or it might end up pushing the um spirited companion or the the dog yeah. from neo that's just elvish visionary but color shifted mm-hmm. you know we'll yeah. see interesting things for cards like this also a good clamp think... target oh yeah fair. <laughs> again the the theme of the set good clamp targets uh there were there were two uncommons that i picked for this set that i was like these seem good and rumor gatherer was one of them mm-hmm. And the reason it seemed good to me was less standard and less aggro and more that, hey, here's kind of a pseudo seer. Obviously, it's, you know, when it enters, but it's a way for white to get card advantage in a creature-based plan that they don't have access to. Because, like, look, it's no secret. White has been trash for the game came out in 94 yep. since then. <laughs> Hasn't hasn't had good stuff and the fact that they gave it an ability like this and granted it's only draw when it's the second time fine it's still a step in the right direction for the color it means 
this is something that is going to be identified with this from now on. And I think that that's look, this seems great to me in EDH mm-hmm. because you know what? Mono white doesn't have card filter without scroll rack. So getting access to something like this, to a permanent source of this in a color that loves tokens. And as you said, importantly, it doesn't say non-token creature. I think this is one of those cards that you'll look at in a couple months and all of a sudden it'll be like a two, three dollar card. And if it ever takes off in modern, it's a five, six dollar uncommon in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as soon as it gets adaptation. In aggro decks, you know, it's it's almost they had to do the two white pips because otherwise people would start splashing this in red aggro or even yeah. like mono black aggro because right? yep. it would just be super powerful in those settings. Yeah. Um, that's why you know to your point that you said overcosted. I, I really believe that's the reason specifically why they did yeah. that was to make it challenging to splash. Um, I just think though in Commander, right? Like this thing is going to go around the table. The only way this thing probably dies is board wipes. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to yeah. waste targeted removal on your rumor gatherer, and if they do, you're winning. <laughs> right, great. Like please do, right? So yeah. that's why I really like it so much. It's it's very specifically EDH. Anything that's uh, constructed would just be gravy for this mm-hmm. card. And like I said, you can buy them for twenty cents right now on TCG Player Direct. So yeah. Uh, and the last card I think we have time to talk about uh, is this one of the ones that. I thought it's been underrated for a while. Also close to 20 cents, but it's a rare, and it's Maestro, Maestro's Ascendancy, Maestro's Ascendancy, I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah. Uh, you know, basically, it's like Kess, Dissident Archmage, but you also have to sacrifice a creature, and I think that's actually what makes this card better than people think. I think there are a lot of value proposition cards that you're going to end up playing in decks like Kess that you want in your graveyard to re-trigger and enter the battlefield's trigger. You know, Archaeomancer is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, even yeah. Runescar Demon, if you're just a slower type, uh, style of player, and the ability to essentially recast utility spells from your graveyard that you're not going to be giving flashback any other way is definitely worth more than what this card is currently worth in terms of hype and cost. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, the fact that it's Grixis colors feels like the only thing kind of holding it back because mm-hmm. it'll be limited, obviously. Um, being three color but i agree with you it's a, for 25 cents you could do a lot worse that's a it's an excellent uh it's an excellent card and it kind of feels almost like a like a pseudo underworld breach like you said young yog will like the, it does yeah. feel like that a little bit yeah i was thinking or past in yeah, flames even exactly yeah. right um or snapcaster image something like that where you can just target something yeah. right it just allows you to essentially rebuy your creature, and I think that's kind of the part that might be overlooked. Everybody sees the flashback and then the exile attached to it, but not the possibility to re regrow that creature, to put it back to the top. To I'm just thinking it. of like something where you uh, you play your dockside and then you you know you get all your treasure treasures and then you cast something behind mm-hmm. it, sack yeah. exactly. dockside to like loop a dockside with like a I don't know a reanimate I'm just exactly theorized. something like no. that yeah so for just theoretically a value. exactly right yeah. and all of a sudden you're looking at like 15 mana on like turn five yeah. turn six but that's like it that. you're you're on track with that that's exactly what I'm what I'm looking at granted you can only do this once each turn because they made the ascendancies you know pretty tight like that but you're also yeah. not limited to your upkeep right that's when cast triggers yeah you get to do it whenever you want. So I yep. think, uh, t- to your point, that is actually one of the most powerful parts is that you can start with the it, Dockside. It also yep. has blue, so it hits extra turn spells. Yep. And I, I hate to point that out to people because I really don't enjoy extra turns decks anymore. <laughs> I actually had my own, and I like I, I had it's a new Mizzen Perun deck, and I was yeah. like, man, this deck really is not fun to play with or against. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but that being said, it's got blue, and you can loop turns, right? So yeah. Um, you know, there's worse, there's, well, worse cards that are on the ban list. Parado- uh, Panoptic Mirror is on the ban list for, for basically the same reason. This card's three mana, and that card is like what five or something like that. So I'm just five throwing that out there. Three to activate. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Just throwing that out there. It definitely can do what Paradox, or I keep saying Paradox Engine. Uh, Panoptic no, Mirror can Panoptic do. Mirror. So yeah. I was. I okay. Oh no, I was gonna say I. I think look. Kess is a general that existed in casual and competitive metagames. This is the same thing on a harder to interact with permanent type. Yep. In colors where you can tutor for literally anything you want, whenever you want. You can tutor chain for other tutors. Yep. 
I've done it so I can hit Yogg Will with multiple tutors. It just seems great to me. Yeah. And Tomb is a fantastic card that can hit any other card in your deck and put it straight to the graveyard. Sure can. So, that, like, I think there's a, a world to explore with this card, and I think people are just not focused on it yet. So, I yeah, think. yeah, I know it's a great call. I, I love that you ended with that one. It's a really good one. Hell yeah! <laughs> but uh, to close out the episode, uh, Shy Style, where can people find you? Yeah, so the Twitter handle is just you know on screen here. It's at Shy Style Gaming. I'm pretty active on there. Uh, all my content is actually at our website, convictiongaming.com. Uh, we, we post articles there. I, I post a bunch of patron and, and non-patron stuff there. And then we also post all our podcasts to our website as well. Um, if you're looking for the podcast on an app, we're on all like the major apps, Spotify, Apple, so on and right. so forth. And um, I think that's about it. Twitter is convictionmtg. So you can find us on Twitter there and uh, just as a source of various retweets yeah. and um, – <laughs> <laughs> and and links to the articles and podcasts. Uh, do you still have a, yeah. a Patreon rolling? We do. It's just uh, patreon.com slash convictionmtg. We restarted on January 1st. Um, it's actually been pretty successful that we got the relaunch going uh, up to about 80-ish followers nice. now, which is nice. awesome. Um, it's just a, it's a buck a month, and uh, it gets you access to the patron articles, which I do. I was originally only going to do a couple a month. I'm, I've actually been pretty good about it and hoping to keep it that way hoping to do more um more like four or five a month um so yeah it pays for itself it's really honestly just upkeep for us it the dollar that we get from you know each month goes towards our website mm -hmm. and we're saving towards getting like a logo and then possibly yeah. a podcast editor, editor all the fun stuff to kind of build conviction up again yeah absolutely awesome. and just even if just following you on, on twitter if that's all somebody wants to do or can afford it it's still worth it the the dearth of information that. that you put forth is yeah. hands down some of the best. I appreciate it. I try to I try to give away a lot for free. Um, it's one of my, you know, one of my big passions is trying to help people save or make money playing Magic. Yeah. So I've got I've actually just one quick plug. I'm dropping what's basically the biggest um, kind of content undertaking that I've ever done on Conviction. The first the first part will go live. Uh, the day after this recording which would be friday the 30th of april and um it's basically going to be like a guide to evaluating cards so giving people a way to think to look into the way that i think about cards mm -hmm. uh it's not perfect right i'm no one's perfect but last year i track my specs pretty closely i don't actually share them publicly but i do kind of share a lot of details on individual ones and last year i had a 90 plus percent hit rate based on kind of the way that i define each spec um, it's the best I've ever had by far. I, I was operating really more in like yeah. the 60, 70 range mm -hmm. and then I made a couple of tweaks to a couple of things I do. And long story short, I'm trying to write about that now. I want to like basically show how I'm doing it and how I got to that level, um, you know, to give other people an opportunity to hopefully learn learn something and, and you know, get better at their own card evaluation skills. Rising tides help all ships. That's all. Awesome. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's been a blast talking uh, with you this episode and, and learning how you kind of step through a set and how yeah, you look sure. at a set from uh, a finance perspective and a play perspective and kind of from on, on the surface, you know, marry those two together to help. Yeah. Make, no. Back. Make informed decisions. Appreciate. I appreciate that. And yeah, back at you guys. Thanks so much for having me on. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, hoping to do it again. Oh, yeah. I, you know, maybe can get you guys on our show too soon. Oh hell yeah definitely we're done yeah. be awesome uh, but for mtg cabal cast this week where you can find us on all major pad podcast networks podcast because i'm i live in new england uh khaki yeah. go get your khaki shut up <laughs> i'm not i wasn't born and raised here i don't want it sneaking in you can find us on all major podcast <laughs> networks uh available on youtube and patreon at mtg cabal cast facebook as well if you want to ping us though on twitter we are at, at mtg cabal cast there i am at halt i am reptar you are at Thirsty Sizzler and time. at Shy Style Gaming. At Shy Style Gaming. Sorry. Right. No, you're good. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Give these guys a sub on YouTube. Yeah. Make sure you're following. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. <laughs>